Hello, welcome to the Bossit Podcast with Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. This podcast is released every week and is an over-the-shoulder look of a frank and candid discussion between two experienced software executives, providing you with useful tips, techniques, and the latest concepts to help you grow your software business in the fast-paced digital age. So let's get into it. Here is Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. And here we go, Michael. Recording has started, and you are at somebody's office, I understand. I am at an incubator, and it's empty. Oh. I don't know. All the starters are gone because <laughs> probably it's holiday season. So I'm alone here with uh, with a customer of mine, and it's good. Proper Wi-Fi. I know. I can hear the difference. The quality is really good. So, yeah. do, do you spend yeah. much time in these incubators? I've been going to a few recently, but I'm not. I must admit. That's not been a, a target of us over the years, but I must admit I'm starting to think that it's a definitely an attractive and interesting area to work. I think you might. It's an attractive area to work. It gives me a lot of energy. Uh, it's not a place where you go to make money, by the way. So my real customers are not there. But I do get a lot of ideas and inspiration, and I like the vibe and the, the the world is ours kind of approach. So I sometimes need the energy, and I also think I'm there to give something back. Because, of course, being a sales, I'm imperialistic, capitalistic. Vanity is my favorite sin. <laughs> I'm here to do something really for them. But I try to limit it also, because otherwise <laughs> there is a queue, and they keep asking time. So I have to be a bit conscious on, on time. But I'm giving. Right. Yes. So, yeah. That's let a... me, yeah. Let me ask you a question that one of the guys actually asked me a few days ago in here. He's an engineering company. There are about 20 people. doesn't matter. Even you, you have companies of 5,000 people that do the same. So in essence, he asked me, he said, during my sales process, I always get questions around roadmap and technical features. Should I include a slide on the roadmap? So, Mark. What would be your advice? I would be I would be cautious. I think it depends on who you're speaking to and where you are in your sales process. Um, obviously, that you want to be presenting to that prospect the fact that there is always ongoing development. This is not an end of line product where you're just going to sort of switch off development. So you need to give them that feel. But I think also you've got to be very wary of presenting to them that in the next quarter or in six months time, there's this new fantastic feature because that could immediately become a sales impediment or they'll go, exactly. great, come back and see me in six months. Yeah, so exactly. I wanted to say it's very dangerous uh, to show roadmaps because it will delay sales cycles. My yeah. advice would be to do something really different. At a certain stage, they will ask you roadmaps and then you can, of course, give them. But what I would do is I would actually give them a vision. The way I would do it is yeah. I learned this from a McKinsey consultant one day, and I really loved the approach. He basically would say, uh, let's imagine a learning company. He would say, for instance, well, um, so when we were building this company, we had to go through several problems and fix them. So because, by the way, me saying that already makes you think I'm an expert, right? And then I said, so we could do traditional learning. And then the problem there, it's unpredictable. So to solve a, uh, I'm giving you an example. To solve traditional learning, you can buy a system. Let's call it e-learning. 
But the problem you get there is the following. And then I basically make a cascade, like a waterfall. And I start solving every little step. And the last two steps is stuff that I'm working on, which is not built, but I'm showing them where we are going. And what you then do is you can actually map your licenses even on top of that and say, look, what we do is we solve those three, four steps for you. This is not even done yet, but we're working on it. That way you kind of do a roadmap, but from a visionary point of view, and it makes you much stronger like a real expert and people buy into your company's journey and not into a feature roadmap. Yeah, that, I think the word vision, that's that's probably what I should have said. I think that's a better way of describing it. It's, I know, Mark. Giving, giving, <laughs> it was a trick question by you in a way, wasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. You, 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 you were there. It was, like, it was like a test. I could see that. But it's, I think it's the vision idea, the idea about getting them excited about the future, but not definitely keeping away from features. Because the other issue with that is if you start talking about specific features that they, they really like, and you put some dates with that. How often <laughs> this software actually produced on time? Can you imagine? So you get your sale delayed, and then it's dependent on this feature coming out, and then you miss the date. Yeah. Wow, the release date. And oh. you know, the moment you mention a the feature, they want it. So I would really try and avoid staying away from that and give the vision right through. So by the way, Mark, I'm actually sitting here, and there is this uh, ballpoint in front of me. Yes. And I'm, I'm just, I just. You mean a pen? You mean a pen, don't you? A ballpoint pen, pen, not just a a bald person. No, yeah. (laughs) I stay away from them. Anyway, so a pen. And on the pen, it says one sentence, and it says, steal this pen and write to a loved one back home. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to steal the pen. (laughs) That's nice. Nice marketing. It's a good good marketing. It is. I like that one. That's really good. I've I've got a question for you. Hit me. Right, so a SaaS company, yes. um, they have got a average sales cycle of three months. Which they is good, ha- by the way. They have closed some sales in two weeks, but obviously they then also have some that go on to six and nine months. They can see a really big advantage in bringing that three-month sales cycle down to two months. What could they do in order to achieve that? To have an average sales cycle, take it from three months to two months. Okay. So there are a few elements. First, let me state that sales cycles of three months is very good. It's actually what you should aim for as a SaaS company, especially in the uh, uh, easier to digest products, so not non-technical products, let's call it like that. Uh, Getting it down from three to two, it's all about process. And even more important, it's about creating a sense of urgency. So within the first two, three minutes of every speech you do to people, to your potential prospects, you need to inject a sense of urgency. Why do your customers need it now? And the way you do it is you talk about the problem and then you have to deepen the problem. Uh, that is a technique, comes from provocative selling. Uh, you can find stuff, you can read on it in the book, The Challenger Sale. Uh, It works really, really well because you cannot put pressure on the customer. The customer needs to put pressure on themselves. If you sell within two weeks, you have customers where their house is burning. So they have an immediate problem that they need to fix. That's typically people that come to you and that say, I need it fixed now. And if then the price is good, you, you go pretty fast. One word of warning, 
I have seen companies. I was with a company yesterday actually doing that, and they had really, really good uh, deal velocity. Uh, so it, it, they closed almost every deal in two, three weeks. And I was looking at it, and I realized when I'm looking at it, and I said, hang on, hang on, guys. You're too cheap. You're missing value, a yes. lot of value actually. So I'm always very conscious unless it's like very cheap and B2C. If you in B2B close within two weeks, I will look at your pricing because I want to know if you're not being too cheap. Mm. I think in, so, the, I think in, yeah. in this specific example where it's two weeks, they have been pre-sold by a third party. Yeah, yeah. So they all they've already Referral. educated. Yeah, yeah, they've already educated themselves. They understand that particular problem, the solutions that are available, and somebody yeah. has pre-sold it to them. So yeah. I think that that is skewing the figures a little bit. Let, let me give a bit more structure to what I said. So the yep. first thing, so you 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 talk to the the prospects, and in essence, you create the problem, you deepen the problem, and then you give them actually trust. So you're working on trust. So make sure you have tons of social proof in your decks and in the way you say, and and especially let others talk about you. So proving the point is very uh, creating trust makes people say, yeah, yeah, I I, I can follow. But it's not enough. You also need to show them the structure, the one slide or the explanation that we have done this many times before. Rest assured, we will help you. It's easy, one, two, three. It's a very, very important one because structure creates rest in the mind of executives. Right. So that's something yes. a lot of companies forget. So that's a combination. And then the last part, this is purely procedural, no friction, meaning – if they ask you a quote, get the quote in front of them within the next hour or the next two, three hours. In a dream scenario, you can actually, we talked about this before, you can actually see if they watch the quote. That's, so you know, that's a good one. But, but the, avoiding all the f- friction, removing really being painfully looking at the process and saying, okay, here is a potential point of friction. Let's get it out. Let's get it out. I mean, a technique I do a lot, Mark, actually, on stage, you've seen me doing this, is I ask myself a question. So they're watching something, and I said, you know what? I know what you're thinking now. How would this work with – and I answer it. So that mm. could be a very good technique in the sales call to to, 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 to actually answer some questions they haven't even answered and said, yeah, but it's all nice that uh, Michael is showing you this stuff, but – how on earth are you implementing it? Because it's hard, no? All right, you feel it's hard. No, no. So we have a system for that. Our methodology is one, two, three. See? Mm. It's a trick I use on stage a lot. And it's funny. The one danger you have is at the end, Mark, all these people are watching you. Nobody dares to ask a question anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you're like, okay. Yeah. So either their love is gone or it's just me for something's wrong right no i find i find in that situation i think that they will often sort of grab you afterwards and yeah, speak yeah, to you on a one-to-one true. basis but i i, I know true. what you mean you you do want a q a at the end of a, a presentation on stage i think it's a nice way to yeah. end and there's a lot of people there that will have questions that are answered that are either in their head or would be if they thought of it it's quite important unless the question is i sometimes have i had it uh, two days ago Somebody asked a question, and it took him five minutes to ask the question. At the end, I had to say, so what's the question now? You told me all your business <laughs> selling something to me. And, I mean, they got a bit upset with that. But, I mean, come on. You, you're wasting time with everybody. Anyway, yeah, yeah, that's probably why nobody asks a question anymore when I go that style. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think um, what, we're, what we're talking about here is, is really analyzing your process. Not every client 
will go through the same step-by-step process. True. But it's True. thinking, you know, historically, you should be able to think, what are, what are the steps that we've had to go through with the different clients that we've had? And how much of that can be prepared beforehand? One of the questions I'm always looking at is, what is the salesman having to end up creating each time? You know, the proposal... Well, oh, yeah. in, okay, in, okay. the output, what he does, doesn't yes. need to produce the next yeah. step. The, yeah. Yeah. And I think that shows you a lot about the organization. And it also gives you a lot of clues as to where you can make not only that process smoother and faster, but to be honest with you, better. Because yeah. it should be marketing people, typically, that are spending time and money and having those documents, that output professionally put together that cover a whole host of clients. You know, instead of something specifically written for one client, they need to have those things answered. If the amounts are low, one of the advices would be, and I I keep doing it even in large amounts, so I make, if you just think about the quoting process, I like to have a document or a few slides or something that describes the products and the value problem, right? What it did adds a lot of social proof, what the impact is on others. And then the real pricing, I always add one piece of one PDF, a one or two page maximum. And it's very clear what you're paying for. Mm. And below, they could actually sign the paper and it's ordered. Till 90% of the cases, they don't do it. But those 10%, especially when the amounts are low, you, you want to have it covered. Mm. See, so that's something very simple. That's a quick win. You can actually have tools. I mean, we talked about that last time. A tool is called Quirrell, where you could actually sign within the document and send it over. Now, most larger companies will never do that, but if you're dealing with smaller amounts, smaller amount, why not? Just try it. Remove I, friction. Remove friction. I'm going to be. I'm going to be devil plays out devil's advocate a bit here because I can think that there's going to be a number of people that perhaps listen to this podcast that say. Yes, but it's different for us. We've got a very complex solution or we our solution is half a million. People want to yes, have something very very tailored for for our needs. It needs to be very specific. So, what's, what's so your I used to I used to sell big data and we would make quotes 1.5 million, uh, 2 million, three, really big quotes. Yep. We would send them 80 slides explaining everything, but fundamentally the amount was always on slide, uh, let's say, 80 slides. It was on slide 78. It had one slide saying the two, three components of the of the, of the um, the investment. And then people would just scroll down. They wouldn't even watch everything I'm saying. They would just scroll down to that page and say, mm, it's too much. Or, yeah, it kind of fits in the budget. So mm-hmm. even there, I would make like a 10-pager explaining all the pieces. And then I would have one page where it's very clear what you're paying for, what the amounts are. Okay. The reason I want to split it up, even in large <clears throat> companies, is because that one page goes to procurement. Mm. right? And you don't want to have all the fluff of everything else. And no. it, it, I also think from a purely functional process inside, too many people take way too long to produce a quote. If I'm making a quote of 1.5 million, it's going to take me two weeks for the quote. It's too long. You can't do that. Yeah. So you have to find ways to package more to be more productive and splitting those two you can work really standard because you have one document that you just have all the stuff in there delete 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 delete, add some stuff and then you have the one pager and it makes you think differently it makes you think in Mm. in products another thing mark while we're at it and you see i'm pretty excited about this one of the things i say (laughs) to people sometimes is when you look at pricing and you look at 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 the things you're doing is why don't you sometimes name your product give it another name 
why does your product need to name like your company? Yes. I always find it amazing. So I, my company is Kaomatic. So I would have a – my product would be Kaomatic. No. My product no. is unlock your sales engine, for instance, or, or the perfect pitch. And, and if you have a software product, it's 10 times better. You, you give it another name. And I really think it, it's good for especially scale-ups and sometimes longer existing companies to, to name the beast because it's funny how things become and live on their own. Yeah, absolutely. I, I worked in a, in a software company many, many years ago that they suffered that problem. I, I, you know, I named the company as Uniplex. Uniplex yeah. was, was known worldwide. And then they, they had to move away from what they were doing because it just became outdated. That market was shrinking very quickly. They took too long to make that change. But because the Uniplex company sold Uniplex software, they found mm-hmm. it very difficult to launch a new product. Exactly. And by the way, purely marketing-wise, SEO and all of that, it's better to have a bit of other brands on the landing page. I kind of like it. I know the unification. I know all of that. But from a pure conversion point of view, I like to have different names. I yes. like to play around with it. I mean, I don't need to tell you purely from an equity point of view. It might be interesting to carve out at a certain stage a piece. And you mm. can do it with a different name. I mean, but then we're getting all technical. Now. Mm. Another one, very intriguing story. Uh, two days ago, I do these expert uh, days uh, at the incubator. That's how I got here actually in the first place this week. Sure. Uh, I'm sitting there and then they basically book 45-minute slots, nine in a row. Can you imagine? I'm really tired. So nine different businesses, they book <laughs> in, tell me the problem. And I'm destroyed, but it's very intriguing. One of the guys came in and he had a solution. So it's, uh, you, you know, you have a water meter at your home. Sure. Right? So he has invented a little box with an optical cable he put on the water meter and he can deduct out of the way this works if you have a leak or not. Now, for a house, it's less relevant, but imagine you're a big business. Mm. And you have lots. So about 40 to 50% of all water gets lost. It's crazy. Mm. So he's found a solution for that. So he's, he's explaining the solution and he, we, we discuss at length the pricing and he's showing me this box. And at a certain stage, I look at the box and I say to him, okay, so how many different colors of boxes do you have? And he goes like, no, no, I have one box. I said, yeah, but that's a problem because you go to three different markets. You go to B2C, B2B, and then you have, let's say, government. So why don't you create an upsell with a more robust-looking box? And he says, yeah, but it's the same thing. I said, it's all perception. Mm-hmm. Think of Tesla. I mean, I have a friend who bought a Tesla, and what he did at a certain stage, he wanted this famous ludicrous, I can't pronounce, ludicrous motor is this mode. I don't know if you know it. You, you push a button. Oh, ludicrous. Ludicrous mode. Yes, yes. So yes. he said, I'm going to buy this thing. It, it's like 10, 12K. Yeah. So he bought it and he got, he did it via, via like a payment. Mm. And three seconds later, he got an email. It says, your car has been updated with Ludicrous. It's all in the car. It's just a software. <laughs> so I was explaining this to him and I said, listen, you need to make that box, add some extra components, and then you have three versions and you give them another color. And he looked at me, he said, it's genius. I never even thought about just giving it another color. I said, man. Thank me later when you get rich. But um, <laughs> so it's again coming back to the packaging idea. Even software, give it another name, give it another color. It might do almost the same thing, but it's a perception thing. It's a framing thing. I mean, even Tesla gets away with it of people wow. paying 12K for something they already have. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, I had heard that, that actually yeah. it's there all the time. They just switch it on for you. Yep. That's great. Yep. I mean, if it works for them, I think you're right. It gives you the opportunity also to be able to 
talk to a very specific market in in a way that is tailored for them and they understand. So another one, I'm, I'm all fired up. Yesterday <laughs> night, I'm sitting at a round table. So there is this masterclass in entrepreneurship and I have to host the table at a certain stage. I get all these entrepreneurs and one story really stuck with me. Guy comes up to me, sits at the table, and everybody tells this problem. He says at the end, when I'm almost at the end, he says, Michael, I, I have a real problem. I want to ask you one very important question. So I'm thinking, okay, very curious, very special-looking dude, actually. And he says, I make electrical bikes. My question is, what should I sell, the bike or something else? Now, very intriguing, Mark. So I said, show me a picture. So he shows me a picture of this unbelievably really really highly designed batmobile kind of thing really beautiful right so he's developed it over the years many patterns on the stuff uh has some software around it and he sold 50 of them their price i can tell you the price he told me the price sixty-five thousand euro brad pitt bought bought one i mean a lot of hollywood stars bought one so half of his market is hollywood so he says me i'm now looking for money so we get to your level I'm looking for three and a half million. Hmm. I don't find investors that want to invest with. Now, I looked at the picture and I fell instantaneously in love with the device, with the machine, because hmm. I thought this, this is just beautiful. So we had this very, I had this chat with him. I said, I cannot believe people would not invest in it. He said, yeah, but maybe I'm selling the wrong thing. I should not sell bikes. I should maybe sell it as a, as a how do you call it, as a, as a license, like, like Tesla's. They're selling cars, but they're also kind of selling, you know, it, it's like the story with the upgrade. So I'm asking you the question, what should he do? Should he sell bikes or should he sell software? What should he do? It was a very intriguing story. And I want to help the guy because I just love his bikes. <laughs> so so this is this is a motorbike. This is a, yeah. a top-end motorbike that has High got end. a, yeah. That it's... So, so normally, <coughs> so this thing, normally if you buy a normal <coughs> motorbike, it would cost you half. So to give you a sense of yes, perspective, so you're talking about normal, and 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 this thing is really, I mean, it's high end, it has everything, it has, but it's electrical. Yeah, well, yeah. I think what comes to mind is the story of Rolls Royce. So Rolls Royce, they sell engines for aircraft, and they did that. They've done that for many, many years, and they are known as being the most reliable, and that's the company that the airline industries go to. For their engines and obviously with aircraft a reliability is right at the top of your list when you're talking about aircraft so they would sell they would sell engines until they change their model and what they actually sell now is a package which includes maintenance because it's actually maintenance that's the most important if you think about it rolls-royce are known for quality. People say you are the Rolls Royce within your industry, and that means quality, reliability. What they were selling was an engine which was could be dependent upon the person that sold it to on the maintenance of that engine. So if you think about that, if that plane crashes because there's poor maintenance, it would hurt the airline but it would also hurt Rolls-Royce. So what they now sell is the engine 
but it's the maintenance that they sell on that engine. And it's in in it's packaged like you cannot packaged. buy the engine without the yeah. uh, service x percent of whatever That's amount right. it is. Yeah, it's all it's all packaged up together. And what that gives Rolls Royce is it gives them it gives them the security on their brand. And for the airline, it takes away an issue that they have, which is the maintenance on a very high-end piece of machinery. Yeah. We, I, yeah. Th- I mean, I'm not an expert with motorbikes, but I would, I would assume that with this particular motorbike, it's a big part of what it actually delivers is kudos. It's, it's the... Um, the ability to turn people's heads, the fact that it's different. That yeah, 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 yeah. And you're driving something new, something special. Yes. And I also think that that indeed the maintenance is one of the one of the major issues because if you need to fix that, where do you go? Because it's all custom parts. So... But maybe I mean, yes. But but I think for your customer. In this case, I mean, if the engine fails on the motorbike, it's not as critical. You're not going to fall out the air. It just means that you can't start it that morning. Mm-hmm. But probably what's more critical, especially for Hollywood stars, is that they are seen on something that is very special and the latest. Maybe what they should be doing is, is, is almost a form of sort of contract leasing. When the new motorbike comes out, they're paying a monthly payment. And they get the latest motorbike with payments split over months, which means that they've always got the latest motorbike from this yeah. company. But then you need a, I mean, okay, I get it. But then you need like a leasing and financing company to, because the guy needs cash up front to make more bikes, right? So his problem at the moment is finding money. And I, I told him, I said, you shouldn't stay in Belgium or in UK. You should, you should, there are two options. You, if half of your customers is in LA, you need to go to an American investor because a comp- competitor of him got 100 million i said three and a half million is probably way too low for what you're trying to do because he has to set up a production facility and you know i mean this is a machine so i said you need a lot more that's one two you don't stay in belgium you need to go where the money is in for this type of business the other thing is alternatively could work together with like rolls royce or one of these really luxurious brands but i I, I felt he didn't want to do that so he felt immediately he didn't want to do that but but the, so so what you're saying is that the the money is needed for machining up to be able to manufacture more higher of production. these higher production. Okay, yeah. because once he's got that, a leasing company would handle his cash flow. Yeah, but he said to me, uh, I think he said I think I can sell two thousand bikes a year. That he's produced, he sold fifty now, and he says, yeah, but I, I simply I yet so so let's say there are some operational issues like distribution channels and all of that, but I mean if guys like Brett and some of these very famous Hollywood stars start buying this stuff. Look at the effect on the espresso of, of George Clooney drinking a cup of coffee. Just that effect. So yes. he has that for free. They actually paid to get it. I'm like, dude, you are sitting on a gold mine. You have to do this. So I, I don't, I mean, yeah, I slept badly about it because I was thinking, man, this is so cool. I'm, I'm happy I, I'm, I'm not driving motorbikes because I would have bought one. <laughs> yeah i mean yeah the 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 george clooney one that 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 was that that was very effective because it was very effective advertising um you could uh, yeah yeah yeah. you could you could have a lot of people buying that motorbike but if he hasn't got the marketing behind it to communicate that 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 would be a waste 
people aren't yeah. going to find this out, you know, if it's not being advertised. Actually, no. one point that I've, I picked up on um, just yesterday was that Forbes create a report which looks at what, and they rank it. I think that there was 100 and, 160 countries in this list of what are the best businesses in which to do business? Where should you be? Where is it is it best to do business? What do you think? What countries do you think came top? The countries. Countries. It rated it by countries. So and it it's goes, about profits or about uh, it's, it rates it. In, uh... It rates it on on fifteen different parameters. So it will be okay. you know it, it's so political I'm... climate, economy, access okay, to okay. people. So all like those risk. <clears throat> risk in Africa must be interesting, but there is high risk to the business there to get your money. Yeah, yeah. I actually, Mark, I have literally no cube oh, come maybe, on. maybe some <laughs> eastern european countries somewhere yeah i'm guessing like one of the more developing not poland but a bit further down the further north something like that oh i'm not gonna give you any more clothes come on you had that you you actually ambushed me with your first question i'm, I'm gonna give not gonna give you too much of a clue now okay where do you think is is there a close relation to the quality of food or not <laughs> Um, yes. That's a Belgium talking, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Come on in. Where's your guess? Where do you think no, is the well, best? Saying, this is the know? best place in the world to do business. The best place? I would have said two years ago, I would have three years ago, I would have said Dubai. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm actually thinking one of the more, I mean, like like uh, some Eastern European country kind of place, something like that. No clue. Wrong. Wrong. UK, <laughs> UK, and that just, is. You're just asking the question. I should have said without thinking UK. But that is even with all of the Brexit, because because the, the UK won previously when they did this, but that was before Brexit. Even after Brexit, I mean, when Brexit was announced, the um, our currency took a hit against the dollar, but they rated again, and UK is still number one. Isn't that surprising? I think the Netherlands came, Sweden was second, I seem to remember. Netherlands was about fourth, which was really quite high up. Really? Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a link. Perhaps you ought to put a link in the uh, podcast. It's quite an interesting one to look at. Scary. I think there's 15 different parameters. So I am, because one of the things I've been saying is, if you're looking for money, don't overlook London. There is a lot of money coming into London. Tremendous That's amount. Scary. It's true. Mark, I'm going to set up an office in London. I'm going to come there every week, annoy you the whole day long. <laughs> you annoy me as it is. Go well. I blame you. I point my finger at you the whole day. I follow you. This is a really funny story. I had a, a brother and a sister sitting at a table and I'm eating and suddenly the girl starts crying. And the mother goes like, yeah, what, what's happening? Ah. He's pointing a finger at me. And you know what he was doing, her brother? Under the table, he had his hand pointing her finger the whole time. She was going nuts with that. So that's exactly what I'm going to do to you. I'm going to point my finger the whole day to you. <laughs> yeah, get an office in London. It's, it's, it's where things are happening at the moment. But um, no, it was, quite, it was quite surprising. There were some countries. On the, the, there were a number of countries in, in South Africa that were right down at the bottom of the list. You know, really mm-hmm. tough. But uh, USA, where do you think USA came? Halfway, halfway. 17th. And Belgium, is Belgium on the list? 
It is, but I must admit, I didn't don't remember where it was. I didn't didn't see it. I'll have a look. Yeah, I'll have a look. I'll have a look for that. Actually, we yeah we we are we've just gone past the thirty minutes. We're on thirty one, so probably a good time to finish, and it will give me time to go and find out where's Belgium on that list. Belgium is uh, must be somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Around the middle, you reckon? I think I think Belgium's going to be a bit higher up than that. So we'll announce it next week to see who's right. You think around the middle? I think it's higher. Perfect. Thank you for today. Been good Thank to have you, a chat Mark. with you. And um, we're getting close towards the end of the year, so maybe we're fitting another one before the year ends. Yeah, perfect. So catch you next time, Mark. Cheers. Thanks, Michael. Bye. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>